Yes, right now, Jesus, would you just lift your hands up towards heaven right now? We magnify your name, Jesus. We exalt your name, Father. You are good. You are a good, good Father. You are true to your word. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider of all of our needs. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer of our lives, of our past, of our brokenness. Christ Jesus, just set your hearts on him right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we thank you that you're in this space. It says where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are with them. Lord, we thank you that as we approach you, we don't have to come and hope that you might show up or hope that we might meet you or might meet love from you, but we can come expectant. And that's why we have our arms stretched out because we know, Lord, that you are here with us. The presence of the resurrected Christ is with us in this room. So whether we're watching online or in this room, we just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Have total freedom in this place, Lord. Do what you want to do, for you are King and you are Lord. And it's in Jesus' name everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. How's everybody doing today? God is in this room, amen? Wow. I feel like last service I didn't like take a moment to appreciate all the people I know in this room. I got some Ball State people here. Chirp, chirp, come on. Got people from Trinity Nation. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever called yourselves Trinity Nation, but here today, we just started a new one. We got people from Atlanta, Georgia, y'all. So can we get it for 12 Stone Church over here? Uh, we got people from Texas. Shout out to Texas. Uh, we got people that are praying from Florida, Maryland. We got people that are praying from Colorado. Uh, people that are coming down from Michigan, I heard. So can we just give it up? for that. That's amazing. The Lord is so cool. Um, you know, here you are. We walked into this little itty-bitty church, and God is just doing something incredible in Westfield. Isn't that crazy? Um, I just want you to know how privileged I feel like I am, and just how honored and humbled I feel like this is, uh, just to, to be the lead pastor of one church. Um, I've thought about this moment uh, for a, a, a lot of hours in the past year or so, when God called my wife and I to plant this church, and um, it's just not possible without a team, amen? Um, it's such a cheesy phrase, but teamwork makes dreams work, amen? Like, we know that. We have a dream team that has put in so many hours. Can we just shout out everybody that's been serving? Uh, thank you so much. Again, whether you're joining online or in the room, uh, we have a really cool video from our church partner, 12 Stone, from Atlanta, Georgia. Y'all, this isn't just a few hundred people, but I think we have probably over a thousand or two people that are praying and in our corner. Watch this video. Hey one church. 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 We want to say congratulations. We're so excited for what's going to happen up in the Indianapolis area. We want to say congratulations on opening your doors. And we're excited for you. In fact, I got some friends here. We got a bunch of friends with us here. We got some family here. We got some friends with us today. They want to say congratulations to you. One, two, three. Isn't that crazy? I watched that video like 50 times. Yeah. 
And I don't know if that's okay, but it excited me. Anybody feel chills when you watch that? Like just the body of Christ coming together. Believers from all over the country. Got an email from someone from India that said, I'm praying for your launch. I'm like, how did you find us? I have no idea. Maybe I should be concerned about that, right? Uh, but I just want to share with you again, uh, we're so grateful. Um, when I said I feel privileged, that was not the right way of saying it. I feel very much like this is an honor. Um, seriously, I can't say that enough from the bottom of my heart. Uh, that God would allow just a team to come together, and, and I just can't wait to jump in. There's three things that I want to share uh, before we jump in that I want everyone to know, especially if this is your first time to church in a long time, or maybe ever. The first thing is this, you belong here before you believe. You belong here before you believe. I believe that what Jesus shows us is that before we ever have it all together, He says, you belong in my family. So I just want to welcome you. If you are watching online or in the room, you're like, man, I'm not sure what I believe about church. I just want to say, welcome to the table in Jesus' name. Jesus welcomes you. The second thing is this. um, I don't want us to just reach those who are far from God, but I want us to unleash. And I feel like God has given us a vision that we would not just speak to those who are far from God, but we would speak to those that want to go deep. And those that are like, man, just challenge me. Like, empower me. Let me loose. I want to speak to you this morning if you're a believer watching online. Um, I think we actually got someone that I, I met on a plane one time, Matt Crego from Jacksonville, Florida. Can we give it up for him one time? Shout out to Matt. Um, again, wherever you're at. And the last thing is this. I don't want to preach at you, but I want to talk with you. Um, I don't want to just stand up here and make it feel like a lecture. I feel like God is giving me a message for this church, for this time in history. And I just pray that I can get out of the way, and I pray that God will get all the glory. Is that cool? Um, but as I preach, come on, let's go. I'm excited. We got the faith in this service. Let's go. But I just want to say again, if you if you uh, believe it, if you're like, man, I'm resonating with that, you're already with me. But just say amen. Just say, man, I'm with you. Or just say amen, clap, like whatever you want to do. And if you disagree with me today, just give me a thumbs down. Alright? Uh, maybe don't give us a bad review. Please don't do that. No, I'm just playing. But if you want to walk out too, that's great too. Uh, no, I just mean genuinely uh, so excited to have you. And um, I, let's go to prayer one more time as we jump in. Father, crazy, crazy just how in the middle of Westfield, Indiana, in all of these cornfields, you are doing something that is way bigger than us in this room. And it really doesn't have to do with the name One Church. It doesn't have to do with the name Twelve Stone Church. It doesn't have to do with any of that. But it's about your kingdom advancing here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or in the room, we know, Lord, as we approach your word, we approach it with reverence because your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce the very thoughts of our heart and mind, able to speak into our direct situation today. Lord, your Bible, your word is not a word for yesterday, it's a word for today. And so right now, if you're comfortable, whether you're watching online or in the room, would you just stretch out your hands if you're comfortable, just as a sign to say, God, I'm just open to you. I feel like there might be some people in the room right now that you've been to church before and and, and you have your guard up. I feel like the Father is just saying, you can let your guard down here. You can hear me speak to you here. So Holy Spirit, we give you full reign. We pray that no one would leave, whether watching online or in the room, unchanged, but that we would be transformed by your spirit, by your word, to worship you all of our days. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, so as we jump in, you know, as we're preparing for the first message of One Church 
There's a lot of things I checked off the list. I'm like, we probably shouldn't talk about that, right? Uh, okay, Lord, where do we start, right? I'm in front of my, my desk, my Bible, my journal. Like, maybe we shouldn't talk about marriage the first Sunday. Maybe we shouldn't talk about dating. Maybe we shouldn't talk about COVID. I don't know. Lord, where do you want me to start? And as funny as that was, I felt like the Lord just told me over and over and over. I just heard it resounding in my heart, the word now. So simple, so to the point. And that's the title of the series as we get going. The title of my message today is this, The Time is Now. Turn to your neighbor and just say, It's time. Turn to the person behind you and say, It's time. Whether we like it or not, it is time in Jesus' name. And I'm so grateful. Before we jump into the Word, like I said, I believe God has a Word for right now, in this moment of history, for this church, for those who are watching online. But I want to welcome you into the shoes of the disciples for a second before we jump into the Word. Is that cool? I love reading the New Testament because I feel like in the Old Testament, we, we see ourselves in the characters, right? And we see their humanity. We see their brokenness. Before Acts chapter 1, before I'm about to read that, I just want to let you in on where the disciples are at. They were walking with Jesus for three years, right? They saw Him crucified. They saw Him raised to life. And Jesus meets with them on one occasion, and then He meets with all these witnesses, proving that nothing could hold Him in the grave. That no matter what was happening, the power of God was unleashed. And I just want to share this scripture right here. Acts chapter 1, it says this, On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Let's just pause right here for a moment. We serve a God that is three in one, a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And as we see throughout Scripture, as we look at the Old Testament, then we see the New Testament, we see this nature of God getting closer and closer to His people. In the Old Testament, they would go and worship, right? And, and someone like the priest or the leader would go and get the vision in a place like a tent or a tabernacle. Anybody familiar with that in the Old Testament, right? And then they go out and say, this is what the Lord has spoken to me. And then Jesus comes in the New Testament, right? And is God in the flesh, Fully God, fully man. He's walking and talking and dining with people at the table, right? How crazy would that be? And then the Lord says, that's not good enough. I want to be even closer to my people. I want to dwell in their heart. I want to live inside of their soul. This kind of intimacy, this kind of love, this kind of power. So imagine the anticipation. I mean, Jesus gives the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, I know you have a lot of questions. I know you have a lot of questions about me and and what's going to happen, but I just want you to know this. When the Spirit comes, you will receive power. Imagine the anticipation, right? Imagine the expectation. I mean, it's hard to imagine literally dining with the Son of God, right? But imagine the expectation. Imagine the questions that they may have. And, And this isn't like America where we come and we worship and we have no fear of what may happen to us. These are men and women that are putting their lives on the line that very day. That if someone found out that they were Jesus worshipers, that they were Jesus followers, that they could be killed that day. There are people right now throughout the world that bear the name Jesus. And the moment they come out of the water, they could lose their life. So this is where the disciples are at. And I know uh, we're already like, okay, Andy, we're going in heavier. Are we okay here, right? 
On a lighthearted note, I just want to share this. I don't know if anyone likes sports in the room, but for me, I think through the lens of sports. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I think in pictures and colors and I often see through the metaphor of sports. Anybody been to a game recently where it's like the pre-game lineups? Or it's like you're at a baseball game, probably not in the winter, right? And you see those planes fly. Or maybe it was the football game you watched on the TV. Like, I don't know if you like sports or not. I don't think it matters just in the sense that we know the anticipation you feel before the ball is tipped off, right? Or that first pitch. For me, on a lighthearted sense, um, I don't know if it's just because I'm a 90s baby or what, but I think about the 1990 Chicago Bulls. And I just made eye contact with one of my buddies over here that is a huge Bulls fan, all right? I won't say who. But when you go to a game, right, or you see it on YouTube, for me, right, I'm a, I'm a younger dude, but when I see those moments and you see those starting lineups and you see everybody on their feet, you see everybody have their old cameras, I don't know what they're using back then, right? And you see it happening, you already just wrote me off. Are you kidding me, Andy? That was like 1997. <laughs> but for me, uh, when I was sick recently, I was watching, re-watching The Last Dance on Netflix, and I was like, Man, it's so interesting that like in a moment of history when everybody stands up for those starting lineups and you hear the you know what I'm talking about, anybody? I don't know what that song is called, but it gives me goosebumps, all right? And you see that like really weird bull that just like comes on the screen in the Jumbotron. It's like a 2D bull running through the city of Chicago. And like these people are going crazy over something that has like no eternal worth whatsoever, right? But but it's interesting how all of us have like this suspense built into our heart, right? Like there's something about imagining that day when this happens or, or the sports game begins or something you've been praying about, right? We, we all in somewhere in our heart love that anticipation. As I was thinking through the lens of that story, I was thinking about how it was so crazy that in a historic moment there could be so much controversy surrounding every side of those 1990s teams. I mean, you watch The Last Dance and you see that there's controversy between the GM and the players. You see there's controversy between MJ. He just retired. Is he going to retire again? Is he going to go back to baseball, go to football? I don't know, right? And then you got Dennis Rodman. Shout out to him. He's like going WWE in the middle of the NBA Finals, just doing crazy stuff, right? They're like, is he even going to play again? Historic moment, but controversy surrounding every side of it. And as I was thinking about where the disciples were, before the Holy Spirit came, right? Let's go back to their shoes. I mean, Jesus was just crucified. He, he rose from the grave. The disciples are on a run for their life. There's racism breaking out between Jews and Gentiles. There's political tension between Rome and the Pharisees and the disciples. And as I was thinking about this and how Scripture speaks to right now, I was thinking, man, this sounds a lot like 2022. And I feel like God said, I have a word for that right now. The first main idea is this. God unleashes His power right in the middle of the chaos. And I don't know where you're coming from this morning, but I think we can all agree we've been living in a time of chaos in this country. But God meets us right in the middle. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's in the middle. Turn to the person behind you and say, it's in the middle. We don't serve a God who sets the clock on the world and then takes a step back and just kind of folds His arms and says, hmm, I'll see how that goes. Like, we serve a God that is Emmanuel, God with us, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the brokenness. We serve a God that is pursuing even those that are doing the most terrible things that I just mentioned right now in our country. God wants those people too. He wants their heart. God unleashes His power and His love in the middle 
of the chaos. Acts chapter 2, verses 1-4. through four. When the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And I love this story because I don't know how many people are in the room right now, but it was about this size. 120 people, suddenly like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. I mean, imagine the anticipation, the expectation. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what came to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was the Spirit of Christ being deposited into them, right? And you keep moving on. Now there were, oh, no, no, we're going to pause on that scripture. I want to share this. This was the inception of the church. So many of us were like, man, when did like Christianity, like, this was the inception of the church. This was the birth of a brand new movement. This was the start of something that would move from 120 people to 3,000 people, to 3 million people, to 3 billion people, right? And now all the world, and as we see throughout scripture, there is nothing that could shut down the movement of the kingdom of God. No matter how crazy it looks in our country, no matter how crazy it looked then, and I love this, Acts 2, 5-13. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. That's super important. Every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Right? Like, What are people's reaction going to be to this? Let's be real. Because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all the same speaking Galileans? Like, aren't these the same fishermen and the tax collectors and people that we saw doing crazy stuff? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Something supernatural is happening. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. And I told everybody in the last service, nobody in seminary school teaches you how to pronounce these words, all right? So I pray that I don't swear on accident. Phygria and Pamphylia and Egypt and all the parts from Libya and Cyrene. I mean, picture this. This isn't just one race of people. This was a melting pot. All tribes, languages, nations, and all people from Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and comforts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, I mean, what does this mean? What does this mean for our lives? What is going on? And some, I love this, they made fun of them. They said, they're just drunk. They had too much wine. Isn't it interesting all the different responses to a powerful movement of God? Right? Like some come with faith, some come with questions, some come with doubt, some come with skepticism, some come with insecurities. There's no way that could happen. They have their pride puffed up, right? There's no way that God could unleash His power in the middle of all this. But how many of us know this morning that God is still on His throne, amen? That nothing could take Him off. We think we've seen crazy days. Look at the early church on a run for their lives. God unleashes His power. Everybody say, in the middle. In the middle of the chaos. But here's the second thing that I felt like God put on my heart. We must know that the clock is ticking. And I don't just mean this on a corporate level, like, yeah, okay, like I get what you're trying to say. No, but I mean like individually, one day, all of us in this room, under the sound of my voice, every one of us will meet God face to face. And I don't know why we don't talk about that, but do you realize that everything we're doing on this planet is preparing us for that moment? Like how many things do we obsess about in our culture preparing for a moment, right? Maybe it's the wedding day or maybe it's the birth of a baby. All those things are amazing, right? But there is a moment that's coming that's more important than all of them and it's the day that we meet Jesus. And here's the truth. Whether it's LeBron James or Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Like, no one can escape that moment. 
And in our culture, we think we're our own gods, right? We do our own thing. We think that somehow we're going to escape. One day, we will give an account to God for our lives. We must know that the clock is ticking. When I was sick recently, first couple of days of January, man, I don't know about you, but like when you're sick and you're laying in bed, isn't it funny how life gets really clear? Right? Like all the ways that I probably wasted my time or all these decisions I made. Like when you're laying in bed, you, you don't want to get your family sick. You're just laying there thinking about life. Like the most important things just become crystal clear. I was laying in bed and, you know, I missed uh, the first rehearsal service that we had when we did a soft launch a couple weeks ago. But that wasn't the thing that tore me up the most. The thing that tore me up the most was hearing my baby girl, my daughter, and my wife playing in the other room down the hallway. Hearing the laughter, hearing the giggles. I don't know where you've been in the past couple years, but I have to imagine at some point you were separated from family. And that's where I was, and I was thinking, man, like, life is getting really clear right now, and I feel like the disciples were asking similar questions. Acts 1, 6-7 through 7 says this. They gathered around him. They said, Lord, are this time you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're basically saying, Jesus, are you going to come back and overthrow everything? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority. Whether you're a believer or not in this room, whether you think God is a joke or you think church is just a game, here's the truth. None of us know how much time we have left on this planet. The most powerful person in the world to the poorest person in the world, none of us know if we have 10 more days, 10 more hours. The thing that came to my mind is this. We must face the reality of death to fully live today. This will all happen. This will happen to each one of us, no matter how hard we try to escape it. Another way to look at it would be this, James 4, 13-14. I love this. He says, Now listen, you who say, you who think you're your own God, you do your own thing, today or tomorrow we'll go to that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business here and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Like, how humbling is that? What is your life? I love that question. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but in the last couple of years, 2020, 2021, I think that's crystal clear. Life is a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. Romans is super clear. I don't know why we don't talk about this, but Romans 14 says this, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. Each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I don't know where we got off base, but this is a moment that will happen. So how would you live if you knew there were only two minutes left on the clock? Like, how would you live your life? How would you want to impact the world if you knew you only had one more year? How would you spend your time? How would you pray? How would you treat this thing called Christianity? None of us know how much time we have left. The clock is ticking. Now you're like, okay, now we're going really deep, Andy. Like, can I just breathe for a second? Let's all, let's breathe for a second. It's all good, right? On a lighthearted note, uh, I think through the lens of sports. I think through the beginning of a game, but I also love the end of games. Anybody like, dude, last second shot? Anybody see Steph Curry's shot a couple days ago? First off, let's shout out the Indiana Pacers. They beat the Warriors with no starters. Is that right? Like, what are we doing? What? I thought we were tanking. But all of us, I think, again, like the beginning of a game or the beginning of an event and the end of an event 
It's so interesting how that riles us up, right? And this is a funny video. This is an iconic moment in sports where a player forgot how much time there was. Watch this video. Tucker right in front of the Portland bench, getting no encouragement from that group. Tippers have a timeout left if needed. Chris Paul, he'll double clutch, bank it up, in and out. DJ, shoot the ball! DJ got the rebound and thought the game was over. All he had to do was put it in. It was the shot clock buzzer that sounded not the game buzzer. Wow, let's watch it. I mean, how close does he come on this? But tell me that the, it's the buzzer of the shot clock. And DJ, Look at that ball. DJ grabs it. He's got a .7 to score. He thought game over. And Chris oh, is telling man. him, shoot it. Oh, wow. Watch this from this angle. He's right by the rim. All he has to do is put it in because the, the shot clock stopped. He had seven-tenths of a second to get off a shot. That's unbelievable. And DeAndre's angry with himself. Now, here's the thing. I'm not here to dog on DeAndre Jordan, all right? That was pretty funny, though, right? For me, my favorite part was when the announcer at the very end literally says, that is unbelievable. Uh, I don't know why. That humors me. Or when Chris Paul's, shoot it, shoot it, right? And everybody's watching. And uh, I thought of this story because I feel like for many of us, once we come to know this truth, okay, I'm going to face God one day. We pray the prayer. When I say I pray, we pray the prayer, I mean, revivals throughout America's history, they have these big crusades and lives were changed, right? Billy Graham is a famous one of them, that they would pray the prayer at the very end of a sermon. And the thing that's the saddest about it is, of course, everyone leading those crusades wanted them to know that was just the beginning of their faith. And those believers, some of them ended up seeing it as the end. And so here's the last main, or the next main idea I want to share with you. Jesus didn't just die so we could go to heaven later. He rose so we can make an impact right now. I don't know about you, but I find it really interesting that we celebrate the empty tomb like one day a year. Isn't that interesting? Like we go to church and we're like, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgiveness. And yes, we can't downplay that. The cross is the emblem of our faith because it's the salvation of our souls. The blood of Christ that was shed for you because God in the flesh went to die a death that you and I deserve, but He stood in our place with His hands, with nails in them, with with His feet pierced. I mean, He wore a crown of thorns. That was the salvation of our souls, right? But then we stop there, and we celebrate Easter once a year, and we say, man, but thank God for the risen. He's risen, right? But Jesus didn't just die so we could go to heaven later. He rose. Everybody say, rose. He rose so we can make an impact right now. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? So God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He didn't want to just dwell in a tent and say, come worship me, even though it was all in love. He said, I want to live inside of your heart. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But my power, right, will be upon you. And you will be my witnesses because the power of the Holy Spirit and our witness to the world are directly connected. We cannot divorce them. We need the power of the Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Another way to say it would be this. This wasn't about us getting into heaven tomorrow. It's about heaven flowing through us now. 
And this is the word that I felt like God wanted me to speak to you all and share with you online because I feel like too many of us, our Christianity has just become about a prayer. I mean, I said the prayer, right? Like I go to church. I I think I was baptized when I was 12, but it, it really wasn't about that. Jesus says, the reason why I'm sending my spirit is because this wasn't just about forgiveness. This is about being filled with my power today. Heaven flowing through us right now. I love what 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 says this. Paul says, because of my grace, because of God's grace to me, thank God it's not our grace, right? Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay a foundation, right? The salvation other than the one that we have already received, Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. He's talking about making an impact. But here's the thing that's really sobering. He says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. When we meet God face to face, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Yes, you've said the prayer, right? But like someone, catch this, barely escaping through a wall of flames. I don't know about you, but we don't talk a lot about that in church, right? When we were preparing for this day, months and months and months in 2021 as a launch team, one of the things that we would say at the end of our foundation nights, which I think there's a cool connection to that, is that what if when we met God face to face, He didn't just say, hey, I know you asked for forgiveness, you received the gift of salvation, but what if He whispered into our ear, turn around, and we turn around and you see a line of people further than the eye could see of men and women Family, co-workers, classmates of people that we brought into the kingdom with us. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about that moment that is inescapable, that will happen, I don't want to meet Christ face to face and Him say, you barely made it in, but this is what I had planned for you. Like, I don't know about you, but I want to live in my purpose today. I don't care what other people think about me anymore. Like, I want to live and have impact today because all of this life is preparing us for that moment in eternity. Everything that we do here. So will we rise to the occasion? I love what 2 Timothy 1, 7-8 says. The spirit that God gave us, right? It says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us timid, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So Paul says this, Do not be ashamed any longer. Maybe some of us are here, and you're watching online, and you're a believer today, but you're just so ashamed about what you believe. Like you come and you worship and, and there's no problem with that on a Sunday morning, but when Tuesday hits and your coworkers ask you, are you a Christian? You're like, no, 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 I'm not like that. I'm not a radical, right? But it's really clear in Scripture that this Spirit gives us boldness. It allows us to not be ashamed any longer, to walk in that freedom. If anyone's with me, just say amen. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in that freedom today. And I don't want to walk around like, I'm just tiptoeing around everybody. No, like, we have a message that people need to hear today. Like, people are asking through COVID, through all the racism, through all the politics. Like, they're going to Facebook, they're going to Instagram for their own truth. We have the answer, and it's in Jesus Christ. And for, I don't know about you, but I can't keep quiet any longer. I cannot keep quiet any longer. If people think I'm crazy, if people think I'm drunk on wine like Pentecost, I don't care. I want them to know that God loves them. 
And He's the missing part of their life. He's everything. And I felt like through COVID, you know, obviously, uh, on a lighthearted note, if you have a fever, you're not going to go up to someone and be like, man, what's up, man? Like, I'm feeling really sick today, right? We're probably not going to do that. There's a kindness in us saying, I think I have a fever. I'm going to stay home today, right? But as I was praying about all of the isolation we've been in, I felt like the Lord was reminding me that Satan, the enemy of our souls, right? The one who wants us to think this is fake. So if you're feeling doubt right now, that's the enemy speaking. The enemy of our souls who wants to discourage us, do all these crazy things to get us all messed up. I feel like Satan wanted to take a couple days of isolation and turn it into a lifestyle. Like, yes, there's kindness in saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home for like a couple days and I'm going to respect you. But I, I'm really afraid that the enemy has gotten into our heads to the point where we think that now we just live in isolation. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. That's when things get a little crazy up here. That's when we don't know what's right from left. It says when the body of believers come together, it says in Ephesians 4, the Lord's prayer is that we would become one. And as we become one, as we become unified, right, we start to understand what truth is a little clearer. And what things we probably shouldn't be believing, what things we should probably say, I don't think that's Christianity, I think that's a false gospel, I think that's this, I think we need to come back to the basics, the simple gospel, the gathering of believers. Another way to say it would be this, it's not time to duck and hide, it's time to rise and shine in Jesus' name, today. Because people are asking. There's a point in Revelation, I didn't share this last service, but I feel prompted to just share this. There's a point in Revelation, and I feel like this is prophetic, that we need to remember. It says, Revelation 3.20, it says, The groom, Jesus, knocks at the door. He knocks on the door of our life, of our hearts, and it says in the last days, it's like Jesus is knocking on the door saying, Will anyone let me in? Because He comes in love, and He comes in truth, and He comes in grace, and He comes to redeem your life. To show you that you have worth, that you have purpose, that you have identity, that nothing could ever give you, that a relationship couldn't give you, that alcohol couldn't give you, that trying pornography couldn't give you. Like there's nothing in this world that could satisfy our souls except the living, breathing, living God. And I feel like Jesus is just reminding us we do have absolute truth, and it's in Christ. I don't know where you're at. I feel like some people, I'm going to go ahead and invite Justin up. We'll be done in just a couple of minutes. And some of us, I feel like through COVID, if we're just being real, like whether you're watching online or not, I feel like some of us just feel like the church has forgotten about us. And I know for some of you here, this is your first time going to church in a while, or maybe this is your first time visiting a church or wherever you're at. Can I just encourage you that God has not forgotten you? I felt so clearly in my heart to just say that to someone. Someone that thinks God has overlooked them, or He doesn't have time for them, or, or yeah, all these Christians. But no, no, God has not forgotten you. He actually knows how many hairs are on your head. He actually knows you better than you know yourself. And the last thing that I wanted to share with you all this morning, the last main idea, it's funny, as pastors, we say the last thing like a hundred times before we're done, right? (laughs) Fourth main idea is this, it's time to know the truth about our Father's heart. And I just want to speak so plainly and so clearly to you all. We said this in the last service, but Jesus came full of truth and grace. And I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of churches before where it's all truth and no grace, or it's all grace and no truth. But it says in the gospel that Jesus came full of grace, everybody say grace, Grace. and full of truth. 
Jesus asks for our whole life. He doesn't say, hey, just slap on this that you're a Christian and go to church a little bit. He says, I want everything and we will meet God on Judgment Day. Like, that's just truth. And if I don't tell you that, I don't feel like I'm doing you good. I'm not going to give you like a happy-go-lucky message because I want you to know the truth. And when you know the truth, it'll set you free. It's time to know the truth about the Father's heart, but He came with grace. It says, 1 John 4.19, We love. Why? Because He first loved us. When we sang that song, Champion, You are my champion, right? Like, I finally can receive it, it says. So let all the striving cease. Anybody catch that in the lyrics? Striving is like us trying to get into heaven by our works. Okay, if I just act good enough, if I talk good enough, if I like make sure I don't have sex before marriage, like then God will love me. But it says actually, no, no, no. He loves us first. He chose us. He knew us by name before we were ever even born. That's why Jesus promises the Spirit. Because it's out of the overflow that we live and walk with Jesus. It's not, man, I feel like I have to, I have to go to church. Can I tell you that it will feel like an obligation if you are one foot in and one foot out. Church will feel like a burden if we're living a half-surrendered life to Him. If we give God half of our hearts, the Bible will seem boring. Or it will feel irrelevant. Because it comes into a place of saying, God, I'm not my own Lord. You are my Lord. You are in control of my life. You're sovereign over everything. And I feel like this is where I was at, man. Like, I went to Westfield High School. Like, can I just be real with you? Like, I grew up in church, and I did the church game. If I'm just being real, I don't want to play the church game. Like, I don't want to come in and manufacture a smile and say, yeah, I'm happy to be a Christian today, but inside I'm, like, dying, right? I want you to know when you come here, you can be authentic, and you can show your scars and say, man, this is where I'm at. God meets us exactly where we're at. Where I was eight years ago, 2014, I was one foot in and one foot out. On the outside, man, I was a Christian, right? I had the Romans 8.28 probably in my Instagram bio. That was like the extent of my Christianity. But on the inside, man, I'm living in sin. And I'm going behind people's backs and I'm doing things. I'm going from relationship to relationship. I don't know where you're at. But the thing that I felt like God wanted me to tell you all this morning and remind myself, there's a difference between being a Christian and a Christ follower. And what we do in our country is we slap the name Christian on the way we vote. Or I do this and I do that and, and, and I know that I want to avoid this and all that stuff. But there's a major difference and I believe when we meet God face to face, the question won't be, were you a Christian? I believe the question is, were you a Christ follower? Because our works don't get us into heaven. Our works really isn't the gospel. But it's by grace, through faith, that we're saved. It's a free gift. But how many of us know it's really hard to receive sometimes? Our pride gets in the way. Some of us guys out there, we don't want to ask for directions, right? It comes in a, in a humble place because we have to admit to the Lord to say, there's nothing I could do to earn this. Like no matter how many times I went to church or how many times I tried not to cuss, it's like it never was about that. Jesus says this, Matthew 16, 24-26. Then he, he said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Let's just pause there. Talk about an like, anti-cultural message right now. A, a counter-cultural message. Like, how many of us are talking about, man, like self-denial is actually self-discovery. 
Like we live in a culture right now, whether you're watching online or not, let's just be honest. Like we live in a culture right now that says, however you feel, that is who you are. We've attached our emotions to our identity. Do you realize that in Scripture it says in Proverbs that the heart is deceitful above all things? We can't trust our heart. But we live in a culture that says, if you feel this way, that's who you are. If you act that way, that's who you are. You do you, and we all celebrate. Can I tell you that that's wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. But I don't know where you're at, and I feel like some people in this room are watching online, like, you feel like Christianity is just this thing that's all about burdensome, man. The thing that really struck me is, man, do, do we seek God's hand but not His face? Psalm 24 says, would there be a generation that rises up with clean hands and a pure heart that just says, God, I just want to know you. Not for what you can give me, not for the way that you can make me look good or bless me, but because I literally just want to know you, seeking His face. But so many of us treat God like He's a genie, or He's like a slot machine. If I act right, think right, do right, then... No, no, no. Like, here's the truth. Some of us have made Jesus our Savior, but He is still not our Lord. And like I said, I want you to know the truth. I want you to know the real gospel because I love you. Even if you don't like me anymore, even if you think, oh, Andy, that's too harsh. Like, Jesus is not saying, I just want to be your Savior. You prayed a prayer. I want to be your Lord. But for so many of us, surrender is a place of fear. Like, let's just be real. How many of us at one point when we thought about going all in for God, we were like, what if He sends me to Africa on a mission trip in like two days? Come on, be honest. We've probably thought that at one point. Can I tell you that surrender to God is a place of freedom? It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But if we're living one foot in and one foot out, it's going to feel like slavery. It's going to feel like a chore because that's not how we were meant to live. Jesus saying, I came to give life and life to the full. I feel like God has put on my heart so much as a church, as a body, as people. We need to experience the abundance of the gospel. And I'm not talking prosperity gospel. I'm not talking like, okay, I'm blessed and I get my car and my house. Like, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about a peace that's unshakable. A confidence that no one can take from you. An identity that no one could erase. Like when your life is falling apart, you still have joy. That's the kind of abundance I'm talking about that I'm so sad. I don't feel like we're experiencing in America. And we wonder, I mean, our brothers and sisters, it says all throughout Scripture, while they're being persecuted, while they're on a run for their lives, it said they had joy. Joy had nothing to do with their circumstances. It was about the Spirit of God that was radiating in their heart that nothing could turn down, that nothing could manufacture. I want to share this with you, and we'll be done in just a moment. Cultural Christianity is more about what we avoid and what we pursue. Cultural Christianity is, well, I don't drink that much, or I try not to get drunk, or I try not to do all these things. But Jesus is saying, no, when I said I came to give life and life to the full, it never was about avoidance. It was about everything that we would pursue. It was about falling in love with Jesus. Like, when you start to see, God, you're real. You're breathing. You're, you're active. Like, all the things that we give our lives to, like sports and movies, it all is just dust. But when we see the price that Christ paid for us, the love of God, 
I don't know where you're at, but would you stand to your feet? I want to end with this scripture. Some of us, as we hear this message, we come to the reality like, okay, I can't earn this for myself, but I just don't feel like I'm worthy, Andy. Like, if you knew what I did last night, if you knew the things I've said, if you knew the way that I hurt people, if you knew the way that I was addicted to pornography, wherever you're coming from, Jesus meets you right where you're at. And He comes full of truth, and He comes full of grace. Catch this story. While we were still a long way off, Jesus is telling this story about what the Father's like. His Father was filled with compassion. He ran to His Son. He threw His arms around Him and He kissed Him. The Son said to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against You. I am no longer worthy. Some of us in this room need to hear this, that Christ has already forgiven you, but you need to forgive yourself. I heard of a story one time of a lady who didn't take communion for like 10 years plus because she felt unworthy. Can I tell you that there's nothing you could do to earn it? It's a gift. He made you worthy because of His blood. He says, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I love this response with everything inside of me. The father interrupts him. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's the heart and the truth of your father. He comes full of truth. He says, I want your whole life. But it's always out of a posture of love because He knows that when you surrender to Him, you're going to live in freedom. And you're going to have purpose. And you're going to have an identity that you're living in that it doesn't matter how you feel. That identity was written long before you were born. And you don't have to go searching for it. You don't have to manufacture it. It starts with just saying, God, I receive the gift humbly before you. And can I just testify as someone that I know I was living in the world and I was a slave to all these things, there is nothing better than the presence of God in my life. How many of you know when you watch Netflix for like 10 hours and you want to rest, you end up feeling more anxious and depressed than before? We watch football and we give our whole lives to it. By the end of that seven hours, we're fighting with our wife and we're we're annoyed that the nachos didn't turn out how they thought they would, right? And all that stuff. But one moment... In the presence of God. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of us need to just drink from that today. Jesus said, I don't come with water of this earth. I come with living water. That when you drink from this, you'll realize you will never, never, ever made for this planet. You are made for the next. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Lord, I just thank you right now that your presence is with us. And Lord, I thank you that you come full of truth and full of grace. That you ask for our whole lives. But it's not to condemn us. It's not to strike a lightning bolt at us. It's so that you could throw a party to say, My son, my daughter, who used to do this and used to that, they are now home. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit put it in my heart to just speak this over people that are coming to Christ in this service, watching online. The Lord is just saying, Welcome home. Welcome home. You strayed, you ran away, but I'm throwing a party for you. And I know you're trying to confess that you're unworthy, but I say that I made you worthy. You are loved. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, those who are watching online, anyone in the room today, just a bold decision to say, you know what? I don't care what people think about me anymore. I need purpose in my life. Like 
I need to know I was created to do something greater than watching Netflix day in and day out and wasting time. If there's anyone in the room today that wants to make that decision, say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Would you just raise a hand right now, wherever you're at? There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Nobody's looking at you. This is between you and God. I know there's more people watching online in the room. Go ahead and just raise your hand. I see your hands. I see more hands. You can put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. Your heads bowed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are welcoming the prodigals home. That those who have run from you, they're coming home, Jesus. And so right now, with everyone under the sound of my voice and watching online, pray this prayer silently in your heart with me. Say, Father... I know I've sinned against you. But I thank you for your grace. And I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you have a purpose for my life. I receive the gift of salvation. But I also receive the gift of your spirit. Lord, I want to help change the world with you. I want to be a part of your story, bigger than myself. I want to live for you all the days of my life. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Come on, let's give a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for those that are coming home, making you Lord of their life, Lord and Savior of their life, Lord Jesus. Hey, I just want to tell you this. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So when we make that decision, we don't have to dwell on the past anymore. Like some of you came into this room and you're worried about your yesterdays. The Lord is saying, I have spoken over your tomorrow. And I've already cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. So let's not worry about that. Let's have a party together. It says, in heaven, there's more rejoicing over one sinner that repents than 99 righteous. So I'm just being real. Heaven's throwing a party right now for those that made that decision. Can we clap for those right now? Thank you, Lord Jesus. They're coming home and it's eternal. No one can take it. No one can shake it. Let's worship out of that posture in Jesus' name. Come on.